The following podcast may be explicit. It may contain references to and examples of bodily functions. It may also contain infantile humor and profane language. It may also contain some useful information about the tabletop RPG hobby. If you find any of these things offensive, stop listening now. What you should not do is give us a bad review on iTunes because you do not like one of these things. Thank you, and enjoy the show. <laughs> Go Why problem make when you no problem have you don't want to make? Thank you for joining us for season 17, episode 4 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Eric. I'm Sam. I'm Stork. And I'm Kimmy. And this is our Saturday show. Yay. It's a Saturday morning zoo. It's <clears> early. <throat> it's <for> early. <laughs> it's like 10, 30, 11 <laughs> or something. Yeah. 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 Stu, and I, Stu and I get up at the crack at dark yeah. 30. This is nothing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm... I've been awake for six and a half hours. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think... I yeah, got up, I have. I got up at seven, and that was sleeping in for two hours. Oh. I don't think I've ever... I, I don't think I've slept in that lo- that late in years. Wow. I've been awake Unless for, I'm like, sick. 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yeah, stumbled you, out of bed, threw some clothes on, and made You probably went to bed at, like, three. <laughs> no. One. I was, playing, <laughs> I was playing video games. Yeah. Yay. <clears throat> All right. In this episode, uh, Alan from London asks about helping a fellow player with his character character concept and making PCs with flaws. Sweet. Mike from Minnesota asks about integrating a remote player from a face-to-face game. Tim from Australia asks about convention game prep, and I didn't put the fourth one in there, and I think there is a fourth one. Is there only a fourth one? There's only three ones. Uh, and then uh, Jonas Larson writes in about giving GM feedback and how it made him feel like an ass. Mm, yeah. Did, Tip of the day. Oh, first off, uh, if you'd like to email us, email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. Follow us on the tweeters at happyjacksrpg, all one word. We have a voicemail line, 626-629-8RPG, 626-629-8RPG. That's 8774 for those of you. 8774. For those of you who hey, don't remember, you your T9. <laughs> have you checked it? Have we, uh, have we gotten anything recently? Uh, I don't think so. I'll leave one after this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why problem make? When Actually, no problem have you? Well, no, when we have five make. hosts, it's hard to play them. Yeah. So we won't. No, there's none anyway. All right. Yeah. No, no one loves us. Um, okay. So uh, tip of the week. All right. Uh, Kimmy, volunteer me. So uh, this isn't so much tip as advice, I, I would say. And that is that That's what tips uh, are. every GM <laughs> needs to play. If you can go to a convention and play in other people's games, it will give you a much broader insight into gaming styles, things that they do that you don't do. Every time I play in somebody else's game, I steal some idea that they have. Uh, there's an old saying, which you can't create in a vacuum. And you might be a great GM, but I, I guarantee you, by playing in other people's games, you will learn other things. Sometimes it's what not to do, which yes. is almost more <laughs> important than what to do. And makes for better conversations in the, on the old podcast. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yep. And I uh, and I encourage you to go the other way as well. If you're just a player and you've never GM'd, you should try it because you will get a much better respect for your GM and how interesting and how yeah it, it, it spans everybody's minds a lot. But a lot of GMs, I think, with it, uh, they forget and they don't <laughs> notice. And then when you're on the other side of that mat, it's a whole different whole different idea. Yeah, there yeah. you go. There's, I agree. Nice. There's for the tip yeah. of the day. Wait, where's the crane baby? Oh, sorry. Welcome to Costco. I love you. Uh, Creating characters with flaws. Alan from London. Hey, Stu and the crew. Uh, You magnificent drunken horde. Mm. Alan from London here. (laughs) Although currently living in Tennessee. Yeah, that's got to be some culture shock. (laughs) You sure do talk funny. (laughs) You're not from around here, are you? Well, I guess it depends what part of are you from Australia. From. You must be Irish. <laughs> uh, choose your accent wisely. I wasn't going to do one. Polish. <laughs> After listening to your podcast for quite some time, Yay. I finally decided to take the plunge and play in Savage Worlds game. Uh, a friend of mine. 
wanted to run a horror game, and I managed to convince him to play Deadlands Noir. Ooh. Uh, we currently have a GM and three players, myself included. The character I created was a man of faith whose wife was murdered and sent him into a downward spiral, losing his faith in God and taking to the bottle. I like that character. It's uh-huh. sort of mm-hmm. uh, Josie Wales meets uh, Pale Rider. Yes. Both Clint Eastwood characters. By oh, yeah. excellent. Good. Mm. I figured this okay. kind of character would would give me... Pl- oh, I just realized something that needs to be on the soundboard. What's that? From uh, the the remake of True Grit. Yeah. The Jakes is occupied and will be for some time. Well, uh, an opportunity and the character flaw and, and interesting. Uh, my problem lies in one of the other players, a close friend of mine. I tried to explain to him the benefits of creating a character with flaws, or even the idea of creating a character that isn't an uber badass, as opposed as this is supposed to be a horror game, and playing normal people thrown into supernatural situations is, in my opinion, what makes a horror game. Well, certainly makes a good horror game. Um, but it seems that my suggestions fell on deaf ears, and he decided to create a hired gun with guts of steel and wicked aim. He created an action hero in a horror setting. Boring. <clears throat> I'm trying to find ways of of helping him make the character interesting with flaws, etc. I know this should really be up to him, but he has asked me to help him create his character as he's fairly new to the RPG hobby. I don't want to just tell him that his idea is fucking boring. I need help either figuring out what flaws a hired gun would have or finding a way to convince him the benefits of role-playing characters that aren't action heroes. Take a drink! (laughs) Happy Jack Screw, you are my only hope. (laughs) This is a super common thing for new players. Um, so I, I wouldn't like bust his balls too much about it. Cause I think, I think at one t- point, whether it was in our teen years or, or after that, when we first joined the hobby, we're like, yes, I want to be a hero. I will totally be the Mary Sue with no flaws and it'll be amazing. And we don't actually plan it that way, but that's sort of, I mean, that's what we do when we first join in and we're, especially if we come from like a video game background where we have this like pre-made character who's all badass and awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, encourage flaws, because flaws are awesome. I actually see one big flaw already. Oh, yeah? And that is, he's a hired gun. That's so true. he's got enemies. He's got true. people, he's got relatives of people he's killed. There's homeless children now, or fatherless children. Rival gangs. Mm-hmm. Rival mm-hmm. gangs. And there's also the people that will hire him to do unscrupulous things. Mm-hmm. Uh, that may put him in a moral quandary about what it is he's doing. And then his ear in a horror game, you could easily have the ghosts of the people he's killed coming back to fuck with him. Sure. That's a good one. That's kind of what I was thinking. Like, if he has this history of being a hired gun, he probably has some sort of past trauma where, like, say some some job went horribly wrong and every time he sees a bunny, he misses his (laughs) shot. It's like, no, the poor bunny. Like, something in his past that you can use to kind of offset all of his abilities and mm-hmm. take him down from being a badass in a way that would role play well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one one thing that people fail to see is you can play a badass hero. It doesn't yeah. matter. You have a flaw. Mm-hmm. It, 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 you can you can say, well, I can I have perfect aim and uh, I I have guts of steel. Well, that's fine. You're a hired gun. You could be greedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could lack basic human emotion. Maybe you can't relate to people. You have no friends. Uh, there, there's an endless possibility for flaws. Mm-hmm. It's just up to the player to roleplay them. Right. That's absolutely true. There's also the consequences of being a killer. Yeah. Uh, to reiterate again, it's uh, uh, in the Old West, there were problems with people that had a name in that people would want to duel them all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like, right. you, you think you're a bad... And it actually legitimately happened. You've seen it in movies now, but it legitimately happened. Like, you know, you're Bill Hickok, huh? I'm badder than you are. Let's step outside. And they're, he's like... Just trying to play cards, man. Right. Right. Yeah, that's sort of what I was thinking is uh, even if he doesn't necessarily play up flaws that he that he probably would have, like the emotional trauma and stuff like that, there are uh, flaws that can be inflicted by the GM, like wanted posters. Suddenly they go into a town and there's a wanted poster for him. Right. 
Right. Or, you know, like you said, the the dueling. People, like, NPCs show up every time they stop in a town and want to, you know, gu- gun it out with them and things like that. So, and that can that can encourage a new player to kind of think about the the kind of the the circles of influence, the spheres of influence, sorry, um, of his character and how it kind of, his actions then kind of echo out and then have to echo back to him, too. Yeah. There's a... <laughs> that was full of metaphor. Sorry. <laughs> it's very early. There's a game, I think it's in Gumshoe, and it's a horror game. I think it was Gumshoe. What's it? The Cthulhu one. Uh, G- uh, Gaslight? Uh, no. Realms of Cthulhu. Yeah, or, or No, Realms of Cthulhu might be the Savage Worlds one, but there's a there's one that's based in Gumshoe, which is the Robin D. Laws right. system. And they have one of the things that you the, in his sanity rules <clears throat> is that um, you have basically pillars of sanity, and those are things that tie you to your sanity. Hmm. And if you have someone who's a hired killer who might be a sociopath, doesn't have human emotions, doesn't have anyone that he's connected to, he may have a, have a weakness in that in that um, regard. When seeing something truly and horrifically supernatural, mm-hmm. maybe he's a hardened because he says he's got guts to steal. So he's probably got the his the guts is a I don't remember if it's a stat or if it's an advantage. I think it's a stat, isn't it? I thought they got rid of it in, in Savage Worlds Deluxe. They had really. you're right, they did. But maybe if you're going to make him, you know, this hardened guy, maybe set it up in such a way that there's an Achilles heel to it. Where, yeah, if he get in a situation where someone's shooting at him, he's very comfortable with those situations. He's been in those situations a lot. He's used to them. He's used to dealing with mobsters. But a giant octopoidal god monster thing? <laughs> Fuck that shit. I'm out. So maybe make give him a weakness in when it comes to that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, it, doesn't have to, or it doesn't have to be that he curls into a ball and cries or always runs away. But maybe he gets a little, um, a little um, tense, nervous. No, uh, anxious. Uh, gets a little loose with his like ammunition. Oh, oh! So and, and maybe like I, I'm going to start. I'm going to empty everything I have into this thing. I can't possibly kill. Yeah, and then I'm not going to have any ammunition left. Ah, like, that's like that a good scene one. in Big Trouble Little China where the, <laughs> right. the the beast comes out and, and it will not come back. What? What? What was that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you can, I mean, and you can kind of futz around with the your drawbacks and maybe make an exception to them. And that might be, I mean, that you're kind of house rolling a little bit, but that's a that, that's definitely something that I think would play with that sort of an archetype because you can have that. Like you know, ex-military, ex-cop guy in the horror film who you know when it when he's confronted with something that's truly and undeniably supernatural loses his shit. Yeah, right. I think that's a really interesting character thing to role play too. Like mm-hmm. someone who's so jaded thinks they've seen everything, mm-hmm. and then just suddenly their whole world is crushed. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> right. That's that's makes for fun player interaction mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing I was. Yeah, and and you you talked about it. my suggestion, especially when we were talking about a new player, try to make his boring character concept interesting rather than convince him to abandon the character concept that he wants to play for yeah. something. Yes, else. yeah, it, it's definitely up to the to GM at that point to yeah. kind of take. Oh, well, you're a hired gun. You know, go off of that. Maybe this contract will go wrong. Maybe because the character's real only motivation is money. Right. The mm-hmm. GM kind of has the reins on that. Yeah, and you could easily exploit the, that fault by saying, you know, he does a contract, then they don't get paid. Now what do you do? Mm-hmm. Right? How are you going to resolve this? The, I think he should lead by example. You've already made a really interesting character, and you can show how much fun it can be by playing up flaws. This yeah. is this guy's first time, or he's still really new to it. He's playing a character that's easy to play, that's comfortable for him, and give him time, and he might branch out. But mm-hmm. I think everybody, especially their first few times, made archetypes that were yeah. easy to play. Sure, because yeah. you just didn't know what to do. You well, know, and you uh, want to be cool, and and you just yeah, like you don't know the system yet. It's like yeah. I know how to I know how to hit things. I know how to shoot things. I can do that. If I if I start playing something that has all these other 
fiddly bits to it. I, I don't know how to do that. I'm not yeah. comfortable. Right. Even something that's just personality-wise really complex, that can be a distraction from learning the system when you're not familiar with it. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. So, uh, uh, Eric is absolutely right. I, mm-hmm. I think uh, don't punish him for picking this character, but work with it and give him time. And I think uh, your character is so awesome. I think you could just lead by example. Eventually she's going to be like, that's really cool. Yeah. Once they realize all this stuff that's going on. Yeah. One other thing that just occurred to me, um, kind of playing off of Stu's idea about him, like his world unraveling when he sees these horror things. The other thing that if he's a non-believer, the other thing, suddenly the, the appearance of all these kind of mystical things could make him suddenly realize that after killing a bunch of people, maybe there's a hell. And maybe that's oh, something yeah. that he has to face at some point and that kind of the <laughs> aftermath <Right>. of <laughs> heaven and hell. And if these, you know, fairy tale things are real, what else is real out there? Uh, see, if it's a, I would, if I were GMing it, I would occasionally have like zombie gunmen show up that he had killed before, but now they're, now that, you know, they, they're hunting him down because they're in like a limbo. It's you left me. Yeah. You fucker. I have to. And so he has to keep killing the same people he killed again before. And again. And maybe somebody's behind that. But yeah, yeah I would. Uh, you I'm have sorry. a very interesting interplay there between, because Alan's character is the guy who's lost religion. Maybe right. the hired mm-hmm. gun is the guy who's going to find it. Right. Yeah. Right. Ooh, that's a, that's a good one. Really, like that could be really fun. Yeah. Is this group looking for players? It's intensely. Tennessee. That's not that far. No. <laughs> uh, urgent, urgent. Mike from Minnesota, who'd like to read this? Uh, I can do that. All right. Con game prep from Tim. No, no. Yeah, I think you're in the wrong place. I am. I turned, the, I turned the page. Yes. Yes. Here we go. Urgent. Mike from Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, dear Happy Jacks, long time listener, first time caller. Question: How can I mix a remote player in a face to face tabletop RPG? Our gaming group has been together for 13 years. Wow. Our kids have grown up from babies to teenagers together. Some have left, others have joined, but a core of five of us veterans still play together several times per month. And I, yes, very cool. Thank you for your service. We play, usually Pathfinder, uh, always playing on a battle mat with figures. We can get quite tactical when the minis hit the table and love a good fight, but have had some deep characters and excellent role play as well. Ah, hell. We can be murder hobos sometimes, but there is still great storytelling between the bloodshed. Yeah, that's okay. Sadly, stupid real life is kicking us in the balls. <laughs> One of our players has to move to the deep, dark depths of Michigan from the deep, dark depths of Minnesota. Great opportunity for him to get back closer to the family, but it sucks for us. What can you recommend for tabletop gaming with remote players? We're considering Skype slash FaceTime, I almost read Skype slash FacePalm, <laughs> with an iPad on the table, or doing VTT, what's VTT? You virtual tabletop. Uh, virtual tabletop, I knew that. Of uh, doing virtual tabletop at the real table, tabletop, laptops all around, or maybe a map projector. I'm handy enough in the wood shop to have, uh, to ha- have build a functional but ugly gaming table and could try to inset TV monitor, if that would work. How can I mix remote and local players when we're all used to face-to-face playing? I, right now, I'm just picturing, picturing a, a Max Headroom. The TV on the table. I'm at the table. Or should we fork the game into a face-to-face game for local players and strictly virtual tabletop game to include the remote player? Take a drink. I am Mike from Minnesota. Yeah. I don't know. That's kind of an all or nothing, it seems well, to I, me. I, th- I think it can be done. Yeah, like not as difficult as like building a new table either. That seems very cool, but a little yes. extreme. Like if you want to build me that table, <laughs> I'm okay with this. But. If I were to try to do this, I would put a webcam and have it mounted straight down at the table. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the other person can see that. And that's the camera feed they're going to get. Mm-hmm. And I would use a laptop or whatever you're going to use for them. Set it on the table and then hook it up. The, the, the one problem I've noticed, and I've never played a game with a mixed where you have one remote player and the, everyone else is there. Mm-hmm. But it, like whenever you're having conversations with people, when we do podcasts in here, when someone is remote, there's always it's always difficult to keep make sure you keep them included. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I so I and I think one of the problems when you're having a conversation like that, when you have several people talking to one person who's remote, is the devices are never loud enough. 
So mm-hmm. get a, like a little Bluetooth speaker or something yeah. mm-hmm. and turn it up. So he's going to be as loud in the room as everyone else is. Mm-hmm. So when he says something, everyone will turn and know. I mean, it's a small thing, but I think that would go a long way to making it seem like the person's there. Yeah. And they don't have to try to struggle to get people's attention. If they say something, right. everyone's going to hear them right away. Uh, my thought is to set it up very similar to this, yeah. which is everybody wears headphones uh, you have one person oh, with a monitor, maybe yeah. the GM is the monitor with him FaceTiming like with Skype or something. But that way, everybody is plugged into what he's saying and everybody else. So you have to have a, a couple of mics or one mic in the t- center of the table that picks up everything. And everybody wears headphones. And that way, he can hear and interact with you. Yeah. I mean, you're talking a little bit of equipment outlay there. A little. The, the, that's a, that headphone splitter, I think, is 50 bucks. Yeah. Right, I would, I think. Uh, yeah, I think that the... I mean, if if you're not recording, like you don't necessarily need that clear audio with everyone having their own mic. But I feel like uh, having the speaker for him would be big for me. I think just because I'm such a visual person, actually having like webcams, multiple webcams, maybe on uh, Google or uh, Google Chat or Google Hangout um, would be more important for me, just because I read body language a lot of other players, especially in RP heavy mm-hmm. games. So I would say definitely have the web camera that's facing the map on the table, but have, I mean, if you can't do like we do with like the cheap little webcams, like pointing at everybody, then have it like one or two so he can at least see the people at the table too. And then you can do the, the Google Hangout thing where there's like multiple, you know, screens and he can see the, the map and he can click on the map when he wants to just focus on that. And then he has the shots of the different people sitting at the table too. And then definitely make sure that he... He's loud enough, like Stu was saying, with the speaker. Um, and just prep everyone that there's going to be some lag. When he starts to say something, like he might be chiming in when someone, like to interrupt someone at a very pointed moment, but there's going to be like that delay when his voice gets to you guys. So just kind of be ready for that and make sure everyone at the table's ready to like include that and doesn't get annoyed at that because that's something that you just have to be prepared with. And we experience a lot. Yeah. The Skype today. I think is better at that lag thing than Google Plus okay. Hangouts yeah. is. Okay. Um, we use it because it has the video thing and you can broadcast it at the same time. Although there's only one person listening in the chat room right now. That's because it's 10.30 in the morning. Well, not only here. Oh. Joe. Hi, Joe. <laughs> Hi, Joe. Hey, Joe. What's up, Joe? Our one listener, our one live listener today. Aww. And he's talking. We should talk back to is him. Is he talking? What's he saying to us? He said, my group does this all the time with Roll20 and Google Hangouts. I have two peeps in Tampa, and three of us are in, are in San Francisco. Oh. Works like a charm. There you nice. go. Nice, awesome. Sweet. Uh, Joe, do you actually use like headphones and stuff, or do you? Everybody just has a laptop. Or how do you? How do you? How do you address that? He says hello. <laughs> he also <laughs> says minimize background noise. It makes it hard to hear each other. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So pre like pre unwrap your bread. Before you start eating your cheese, <laughs> yes, and potato chips, and the, the, the crinkly potato chips, <laughs> crinkly mm. potato chips, oh, yeah. we, bowl. we had the loud, bo- we had the loud bag, the yeah. loudest bag ever. It almost the ruined cookies. the recording. Now I've asked Joe a question here. This is actually pretty cool. It's John from here. Sweden just joined. Hi. Yeah, we started without you. Sorry, we had. Sorry. To, we were waiting as long as we, we could, yeah. but yeah. we had to start. Uh, he, Joe says, "Nope, I have a laptop, and they are all on laptops." Oh, there you mm. go. So that makes sense. So maybe just web, one webcam pointed at the map at the table and then just everyone else on their laptops yeah, with like, their webcams. Do you make Bluetooth webcams? Probably. Uh, I was thinking since this is such a battle-heavy game that the grid uh, should have letter and number coordinates. Kind of like... Good nice. idea. Right. Mm-hmm. So the remote player can say, you know, I want to move to G7. Pond to A6. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> if everybody's going to have Good a laptop, idea. do you think maybe the, the battle should then just happen in, in a one A virtual tabletop? Yeah. Could. It, it totally could. At that and point. That's, I think that's what Joe was saying on, with Roll20. Yeah. I've never used that. I, I, for me, it seems like super foreign, but I am running my first... Uh, Remote game soon for JackerCon. So oh, we'll see. Are you running Wait, it or are you going to be? That reminds me. <laughs> we should, yeah. I got to plug JackerCon. JackerCon. JackerCon has 17 games. It might be 18 by now because I, I put that was the number before I put mine in. Well, it's going to sure. be 19 then because I so, still have to. So a lot mine. of games. Mm-hmm. Um, a little light on players. Oh. Which is usually rare. Usually it's yeah, the other way around. The other way around. Um, I mean, for most conventions. Uh-huh. I don't know about this. For, for those of us who don't know, what is JackerCon? JackerCon is an online virtual game convention. And it, it will happen between June 24th and July 1st on Google Hangouts. All of them. And if you go to, oh, 
I think it, if you go to happyjacks.org slash jackercon. Yeah, there, and you have it in the main menu. So if you just go to happyjacks.org, there's a jackercon button on yeah. the main menu. If you go there, it will kind of give you instructions that I'm still working on because I'm coordinating with the people who are running games. How you should, There's kind of a weird little weirdness going on with setting up. I'm not sure how that's supposed to work. But uh, I, my game has six players. Nice. Um, I think. We'll I might see. have eight. You're running a moment of truth? Yeah. I'm going to be running a... Um, Big Blue Monkeys, has cha- the name has changed to Vast Dominions. Oh. So I'm going to be running a game using the same characters. Is that because there's no Big Blue Monkeys in it anymore? Well, there were Big Blue Monkeys that one time. I know. But there haven't been a Big Blue Monkeys since Ever. then. So Ever. <laughs> since then. Right. <laughs> to my vast disappointment <clears throat> every time. Right. <laughs> so, um, but my game is uh, 1 p.m. Pacific on Saturday next week. And you're going to run yours after that? Like Maybe, yeah. Five. Yeah, we're, 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 right. I'm borrowing Stu's uh, studio to run my game, so it will not be at the same time as Stu's game. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it cannot be. Cannot, cannot um, happen. So, yeah, go to um, go on the forum and ask people about it there. Uh, you can find some of the information on the JackerCon lobby. On uh, Go to Happy Jacks and click on that. There's also some info in the forum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, the actual, where the games are listed and everything is in a Google Plus community called JackerCon, um, which is a closed community. So you have to ask for um, uh, permission or you basically you asked for it to be invited. And then once it's approved, you get in. You should probably change that because mm-hmm. it's. There, I don't know how I don't know how fast he is on on approving people for. I noticed it. there was two threads. I'm not sure if that was a mistake or if one is approved and one is unapproved. Or I, I don't, don't know. know. All right, I don't know. So uh, that's where all of the game listing is. So join us, and it starts next. What is it? The 24th is Friday. 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 Okay. Next week. Uh, thank you, Mike from Minnesota. Anything else for Mike? Said it. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Let us know how it goes. Like write us back and be like. You had great advice, or God, you guys are assholes. You didn't tell me anything that helped. <laughs> we've we've been toying around. We've always wanted to, and Stu was talking about it. I think a couple of weeks ago about p- mounting a projector and, and being able to display maps and stuff just on a tabletop, like here. And we've all toyed around with you know mounting one underneath or whatever. And then you could basically just bring up a virtual tabletop as you're playing on the game. Right. I mean, it's, there's there's so much interesting technology happening right now that without too much outlay you know or a little tweaking you can probably convert all of this stuff into virtual mm-hmm. without yeah. a lot of work i've got a i've got a, a video projector but it's not bright enough mm. well that's the thing you'd have to do it you in have a to darkened get a room yeah right either that or you got to get like a one of the really high-end ones that are like super 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 bright yeah, yeah. it would be great if i'm on the road driving for like 14 hours or being the passenger and i could just Take out an iPad and join a game. Right? That'd be so nice. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, well, you can if you if you have fast enough internet, you could do it. You could you can play over Google Hangouts because there's I don't remember the name of the thing now. There's a couple of products that integrate with it. Yeah. I don't remember the names either, but there's a I guess, but there's they a bunch of them out there. There's somewhere. Yeah. See, and yeah. So, someone someday. Well, yeah. Oh yeah. So, someday someone will come up with a system like in video games where you just like you join and you're like you log in and you're like oh yes I would like to play with other people and then it finds like a random group that you like play with for a while that'd be so much fun. I don't know. Why do I, I think, think it's, it's going to end up like chat roulette? Yeah. No, well, <laughs> lots, of, <laughs> lots of penises. Inevitably, it would probably go there, but. Well, we were talking about characters with flaws. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. What do they call? What, what do they call it? Time to penis. When you come out with a game that has a lot of people in it, I, how long it is before someone draws, depicts, or displays a penis? Really? That's yeah. a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's Not a thing. Very long. No, no. Uh, con game prep from Tim. Who would like to read this one? I'm heaps keen. <laughs> Do it. All right. G'day, guys. Quick email here from Tim from Australia. Been Australia. a listener for three years. Yeah, the uh, down under. Yeah. They love it when we make fun of their accent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have a... Is quite- Watangi Day coming up? When is <laughs> that's that? not Australia. That's New Zealand. Oh, that's right. Okay. Australia is all about being heaps keen. Heaps keen. <laughs> <laughs> heaps keen. All right. Been a listener for three years now, and... One-time emailer. Why are you slacking, Tim? 
I emailed in about running Edge of the Empire, but this was quite some time before you seemed to have an idea about the system. Oh, so we gave a terrible <laughs> advice is what he said. Yeah, probably. <laughs> you probably said how much you didn't like Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> is it too late to leave this podcast? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I have a convention that I've been attending on an annual basis for the last five years now, and I've been running demo D&D games there for the last three. However, I've gotten a little bored with running the same two hours worth of material from the starter box. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, Five years of that. That's good on you. <laughs> I don't know if that's good. Sounds sad. Uh, don't get me wrong, the players are always entertaining in the games, and the end results are always hilariously different from the last, but the system leaves much to be desired. My solution to this boredom is to set up an entirely new game. Gold Coast Ghostbusters. Who are you going to call? <laughs> I don't know, but it sounds pretty fun. I need to put some of those whooshes on the soundboard. Yeah, you need a Jaguar dog uh, wave, for sure. Using the Old West Endgame's Ghostbusters system, I intend on setting up a campaign based around Lego being secretly evil and using each of the uh, standalone stores as channels to aggravate the spirit world and cause chaos in the areas surrounding the brick-and-mortar Lego stories. You know what? When I first read this, I was sitting here thinking how cool it would be to have Ghostbusters in the Old West. Mm. Anyway, carry on. Kind of like the League of Steam. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. Exactly what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Or Deadlands Noir. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. As it will hopefully be an evolving story, I haven't decided on a reason for why this is happening. Each year, I plan to have a new story to continue along the path of previous year, where, of course, the actions of past players influence what comes next. I'm presenting the following question well in advance. I have six months before the convention where the game will make its premiere which happens to be about the same time that Australia's first Lego store opens on the Gold Coast. Nice. Awesome. So how much prep do you guys and gals do for a con game? How can I make the most interesting blank slate characters for the game? How do you avoid getting bored with a system? Any suggestions for running a con-based campaign? Why problem make when you no problem have when you don't want to make? (laughs) Keep up the good stuff. I enjoy listening to the show. However, I'm too bloody lazy to listen to your backlog. Well, it smells anyways. Yeah. Many thanks for the Convict Nation. From the Convict Nation. Woohoo! <laughs> Botany Bang! <laughs> well. Uh, go ahead. Uh, I, I feel like there has to be some sort of corruption of children that has to be involved in magic, evil magic Lego stores, just oh, FYI. Yeah. Oh, sure. Like... Just not that that like has to do with a lot of your questions, but just throwing that out there. Or the bricks contain RFID chips for some nefarious reason. <gasps> mm. Yeah. Or hidden cameras. When you finish building the Poe Dameron X-wing out of Lego, it actually completes the circuit to create a, like a like a standalone webcam. Yeah. Or they come alive <laughs> and kill people at night. There you go. Like mm-hmm. you can see the little helicopter with like like slicing people's throats. I'm a terrible person. So. Or, or, or <laughs> I shouldn't <laughs> teach children. I, I, I think what would happen is when you assemble it, they walk out into the middle of the room and then take themselves apart. So when you wake up in the middle of the night, you step on them. Right. <laughs> oh. it's, it's really a it's really an effort to sell um, bedroom slippers. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. They have special Lego slippers now. Have you seen know, this? It's yeah. awesome. <laughs> uh, you could come up with an anagram for Lego. It's it's maybe it's like it's an ancient order that's that's been you know kind of like uh kind of like what's going on in shield these days but it's an ancient order that uh has been around for a long time and they're then as you say as you assemble each lego bit they get more and more powerful so Mm -hmm. every time you build something it's the combination of the colors and the legos then weaken the spirit world kind of like when you put too many ghosts into your containment unit it it begins to lower the barriers to the spirit world Mm. uh so the more legos that are built the more the, the less the barrier to the spirit world is yeah. held up. His questions. Yes. Oh, yeah, sorry. How much prep do you do for a con game? I do all the prep ever, but I'm famous for that because it makes me feel safe. I do less than that. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> um, I, I've actually found that, which we've talked about many, many times, coming up with the problem and not the solution is the way to go. Yeah. Just come up with more than one problem. So if they burn through the first problem, you got a second one for them. I like to exactly. I like or to third. do the the Kimmy school of con games because it's a con game. I want to make it special, so I like make <laughs> props 
and I make nice characters yeah. and drawings. And Kimmy goes, Kimmy then ramps it up and on it. All the right prep and all the wrong ponies. Because <laughs> <laughs> really, the little portrait of your character or the pony doesn't actually impact the game at all. No, so but you're so up for like three days so making them. I know, and then I get there and I'm like, oh god, I forgot the story part. No, I don't actually forget the story part. Um, but like <laughs> Sue is saying, it's sort of um, like we've talked about before, module uh, modular. Uh, game design, mm-hmm. so you you know you make your five act story or whatever it is, and make sure you have a couple extra acts to throw in there if they burn through stuff really fast. Yeah, um, and then you just pull out some of the acts when you don't need to. Yeah, and, and then if yeah. they're taking extra long, make sure that Act A and Act B, C, D, E <laughs> are the things that have to happen. Um, <laughs> but the things in between. Uh, can kind of be shifted around. If they go to a different place first than you expected, then you can flip two things. So it's just very, very Lego-like. <laughs> because it's clear in my head, the last Big Blue Monkeys game that I ran, um, the acts I had was the initial fight, because there's two, there's two three-person crews on two different ships, and they're rivals of each other. One of the ships gets dis- disabled by a pirate attack. The other ship stumbles upon it. They fight together, beat them, and then one of the ships tows the other ship back, and that's when the adventure begins. So that's the first first scene was that initial fight. The second scene is them getting their orders from their respective commanders, because it's a British ship and an American ship. And then the third scene is them going to the Titan Observatory around Saturn, which is where a new planet was discovered. And that's where they try to figure out what the new planet is, where the new planet is, so they can go and plant the flag on it, because that was the whole point of the adventure, and that's when that part is unfolded, where, they're, yes, they're, bo- they're all working together, but the Americans want the American flag on the planet first, because then it belongs to the Americans, and the British want the British flag on the planet, because then it belongs to the British. And they're not going to go to war over this, so it's really important to get your, own, your team's flag there first. So, that's three scenes. The fourth scene, which didn't happen because the time was going going by, was sort of an extra scene. Was an attack by a Russian ship. Uh, then the fifth scene was them catching up with the Germans who had caught the scientists who had discovered the new planet, and that happens near the orbit of the new planet. And then the sixth scene, which we didn't end up doing. Uh, and it ended like plus or five minutes at four hours, mm-hmm. right on. But the sixth scene was actually landing on the planet and planting the flag. That didn't happen because both teams destroyed each other's flags. So they didn't have any flags. <laughs> <laughs> but there, I, I had created six scenes and used four. Yeah. The, the last um, freak show that I think we ran, I, it was almost a dungeon crawl. And mm-hmm. I've done this before where I put them in a building and very, basically there's traps or monsters or stuff they have to get through. So I can just pull them out and put them back in if I need to. And it occurs to me that might be a good solution for this game because, of mm-hmm. course, you're going to have to end up in Legoland. Sure. Right? <laughs> where, <laughs> where the, you know, the veil has collapsed and all the monsters are coming out and you're going to – so you can actually – Worst theme park ever. As you're navigating <laughs> through Legoland, all these things could happen to you. Uh, you ever been there? No, but you told me you're disappointing. Zachary loved that place. He loved that place so much. Yeah. And they have two Lego stores inside of it. Uh-huh. Uh, they there actually you go. make, they have one of their old retired Lego making machines mm-hmm. that still makes little blue bricks. This exact same, it spits them out, I don't know. Well, there's your plot right there. You have to 15 go. 15 a minute. You have or to go start like that. that up and make, and make bricks that aren't uh, occultly poisoned to, to, right. to build the veil back up <laughs> right there. As to making characters, uh, I this is again I kind of like the freak show. What I ended up doing with freak show, I made f- six characters, five characters, six, and I made I made them I made characters I would like to play. But I basically started with the the typical range tank healer, and then a couple of generalists, so like a ranger kind of thing. And then I, that's those were the power sets that I started to work with. And then I infused them with characters that I would like, and I gave each one a little backstory, <clears throat> gave each one sort of a power set, and gave each one a sort of a unique look. And then I said, however you want to play this character, you can. For example, the illustrated man is a drunken Russian sailor. 
who who got his tattoos in prison. And is he's a generalist, so he can pull upon one of his tattoos to give him powers, right? However you want to play that. He can be angry, he can be he can be a fun drunk. Well actually I think I made him angry, but but he but uh and one of his flaws is he's he doesn't read English. He can speak it, but he's, he's a Russian sailor. Right. So uh, it's interesting to see how people were able to play that character. Some of them play them really angry. Some of them play kind of dark. Some of them play kind of clueless. But I, all that information is there. Allow them to play the character they want. But invest the time to make the character interesting so that each person has a kind of a unique experience. And what I've discovered is that people come back and want to play their character again. Right. Yeah. They, they have ownership of the same character. Mm-hmm. Bill's played uh, three or four of them, and he always wants to play the same character. Mm-hmm. Right. I often, when I'm doing uh, character sheets for cons, I don't fill out all the information. Like, I'll give all the stats and kind of the roles. Make sure you have someone for every role. And because inevitably, the one character they won't pick will be like the tank or the healer. The thing they, whatever they really need, will be the one that doesn't get picked. <laughs> like, so make sure you have like the right number of. Or the one that you've planned on being present. Yes. Yeah. That will yeah. be the one that nobody's interested in playing. Um, so just be prepared for all of them ha- like being equally important. Um, I, uh, but I'll often, like, uh, I'll write, like, uh, uh, on Wild Talents character sheets, there's, like, background information. Sometimes I'll just put, uh, make it, like, very simple, like, one sentence, and then the f- first couple minutes that players are at the table, ask them to fill it in. So that way they can kind of, they have the basic skeleton of the character and what role they'll play, and um, they'll have connections. I'll say, you are... You, you know this person at the table, and then they'll talk with that person. First of all, it gets them talking with other people at the table, and then they'll come up with whatever that connection was. Oh, you were, you know, my PE teacher in mi- middle school or whatever it was. That was the high school game I ran for Wild Talents. But they come up with, uh, with those connections themselves, so they feel more ownership of them, and it's not so forced, and it's something that they can then be comfortable with. So it's not, you know, oh, you're totally the school jock, and then they don't really embody that role. Um, so that that's something I do. I usually just start them out as already a group. Like yeah. The Freak Show's been working together already, so it's like, you guys all know each other. Your yeah. backstories are your own secrets, but you guys already know each other. Yes. So we don't have to worry about, we meet at an inn, and you spend an yeah. hour and a half just getting together. You yeah. just start right out, and here's your assignment, go. Yeah, that's super important for a con game. You don't want to just be meeting and then have to build up that trust for the people who want to role play that out, because it just takes too long. So, it does. And, and, and you're... Yeah. And, you, and then you're going to kick yourself in the head if you have that one guy who's like well but my character's a dwarf and i don't trust elves why would we allow this guy in our party right. yeah oh yeah. god and <clears throat> it happens about it. it does if you're creating these characters make sure that the alignments complement the story that you're trying to have yeah. the right yeah, yeah. Tell. that's that is the nice thing is as a gm you have control over all those characters you set mm-hmm. it all up so do a little bit of work to make sure that they they all play well together, and they. It's a, the other thing to that point as well or is make sure they have something to do. They don't have to play well, well that's, together. That's true. As, as long as it's the story you're trying to set up. You yeah. Know? Right. Uh, yeah. You, you could give a bulk of the characters alignments that will play well together and backstories that will play well together, and then pepper in a few people that'll cause problems. Mm-hmm. Or at least personalities that do or something. Yes. In the, in the big blue monkeys game. <laughs> When I originally built, there's two captains. There's the captain of each of the two ships, but they're only on one ship. So right away, there's a little bit of tension between them. But I literally built the exact same character. But I made one of them have his skills in rapier, and the other one had his skills in blast pistol. Other than that, the two characters, you lay them side by side, they're twins. Nobody exactly knew. This, Nobody no knew one knew. No. But they, all of their other skills, they were each equally good at. Yeah. So... So and so and so would say, "Well, I'm going to try to like swing on a rope and get up to the thing." Well, I'm going to try that too, and it all depends on which guy tries. And and both of the characters were rivals of each other. Okay. They had, they had a history, mm-hmm. so it created conflict. But they also have to work together. So it very rarely comes down to actual violence, but it's a lot of one-upsmanship. Yeah, between those two <laughs> characters, and usually the rest of the party, their respective crews, are rolling their eyes the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing is make sure that. You give each of your characters a moment, something that they're mm-hmm. good at, something that mm-hmm. they can do. Uh, it seems like a small thing, but it makes that way they're like, oh, I'm the healer. I'm just going to sit around. And if nobody gets hurt that day, they didn't do anything other than follow along and trun along. It's like give each person their, like a scene that they mm-hmm. – that 
It's like, no, wait, it, I can hold my breath and swim in that, under that water to open the door. Let me do that. Right. Mm-hmm. But also prepare for that character to miss their moment. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I, I had a couple generalists in the freak show, because there's a couple overlapping power mm-hmm. sets. So if somebody doesn't come up with one, there's another guy. And occasionally you're like, hmm, if only we had somebody here who could turn into an alligator <laughs> and hold their breath. Oh, wait, I could do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Again, it's a con game. You can't expect them to have their character sheets completely memorized. So. Right. Uh, there are ways to sort of maneuver that. Yeah. How how do you avoid getting bored with a system? Change systems often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Run three different systems at the same time. Stu. Oh, by the way, JackerCon, of the 17 games that had been registered, not one was in the same system as another. Really? Wow. Wow. 17, 17 different games. Completely different systems. That's 17 amazing. different systems. amazing. That's so yeah. cool. Uh, I, I say that... I mean, I've been running Freak Show now for a couple of years in the same system, but I, we have different games. We have different things that are yeah. going on. So part of the problem I think you're doing is that you're running the same kind of box set over and over and over again. Right. It's like the Freak Show has had seven different iterations of different adventures, even though it's the same system. And I don't get bored, and the characters are play, played by different people each time we run it. So mm-hmm. as you, you probably already know, because you've been doing this for five years, but if you just change up the adventure every couple of, or even each, each year you come up with a new adventure, that keeps it fresh. Yeah, totally piggybacking on that. Absolutely. Plus one, because I run Wild Talents every time, and my games are not even recognizable nope. as the same thing. So it's like Salem Witch Trials, Skyrim Dragons, like uh, oh, uh, Harry Potter. So it's like completely different worlds, even though it's the same mechanic system, and yep. it totally keeps it fresh. I'm, I'm guilty of stealing ideas from video games as well. Yeah, totally. I, I ran a, a Zelda dungeon. Nice. <laughs> well, it, it's still like one of my absolute favorite moments ever in running a game because I'm a jerk and I don't have any... The char- people, when they come and sit at my con table, can't see their character sheets. I have little folders, so they have like symbols to like give them a hint. So they all came and sat down and it was called... Uh, I think I called it the Skyrim Vikings versus Dragons uh, or something. It was Kimmy's Kimmy's Skyrim ripoff or something. Yeah, or something. Like that. Yeah. So everyone comes and they sit down and they're expecting to be like Skyrim characters, and then they open and they're all dragons. So it was just like the biggest like ah, like they all like it was very exciting. It, it was a great moment too because I know that I you were talking about it and they all at somebody it was probably Frey. You had these wild, you had these you had yeah. these lunatic players, and they at some point they looked at each other and went, "Wait a minute." We're all brothers, and yeah. <laughs> it totally changed the dynamic of the game. And these guys were all fighting amongst each other, and their sibling rivalry, and it turned into this. And they had a great time, but they seized on that moment. Like, wait a minute, we're yeah. all from the same clutch. We're related. Yeah, bam, oh off they went. They were such brothers too. They like, could <laughs> argue. They like, but like, I'm yeah. older by three minutes. Yeah, they, <laughs> and then they proceeded to call each other Dragon Brother for the rest of the con. You'd like enter a room, it. and they'd be like Dragon Brother, and you're just like, okay. All right, it's Sunday. It's been like 24 hours. It's all good, guys. And but it was, it was very fun. Yeah. <laughs> just so, yeah, grab this little, like, if you can just find something that'll kind of just grab people's attention, especially for a con game, um, it can really it can really help get people, like, super invested in your game very quickly. And, again, I like props. Like, the, the, we did a, we did a uh, Tales from the Floating Vagabond that had to deal with all of these movie characters, and we ended up with uh, call sheets for each mm-hmm. each scene. You'd get, like they do in the movies, you get a mm-hmm. call sheet. Uh, when, when I ran the freak show that where Grendel comes back, I had uh, a little diary that people found, and I wrote in and dropped that down in front of them. I had a substitution puzzle that they had to work out. Uh, when uh, 10,000 maps. I do. Not maps so much anymore, but I do have, like, when I have an encounter, I have, um, like, you know, at least a, a scene that's ready to right. go. So that that way. And, and Bill said an interesting thing. He's like, can we just have some terrain so we know what to do with it? And, Having a map prepared just to give them a layout of like, oh, I'm going to go hide behind this or I'm going to run right. over here is is very handy. If you have to stop and draw out every tree and bush and, and building, it can really slow things down. So Especially if you, if you have, have scenes scene that you know are going to happen. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. I, uh, in the Freak Show one, I had a, a, a Freak Show in, in the Fairy Realm, I had a scene where they, they run into the uh, late September dogs of the vineyard. It's an old vineyard. It's these old dogs. And I basically found a map somewhere and set it up and that was able to drop it down and, and drop in that scene because we were playing for time. It was just a scene that it could have come and gone. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but I'm like, hmm, we've still got an hour and a half left and we're almost at the castle. I better drop that scene in. Right. Uh, 
it's it's a simple thing, and then, again, that's kind of the prep is doing that stuff ahead of time, and and it does people like it when all of a sudden they've got uh, again in the Fay realm they had these two doors, and I had cut them up, and they had to figure out which one was the door to assemble. So it was like a puzzle; like they had to figure they had to get all these pieces and put it together, and then figure out which door to open up. So there's these little interludes that with props that uh, added a little more flavor to the character, and it keeps the game interesting for you because you're yeah. coming up with what can I do here? How can I add this? Listen to some of the backlog. You could probably look at some of the titles because there are, is also in well, the I, backlog some really good advice. I usually tag stuff. So if you put in con game, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you will probably get a lot of podcasts because this exact kind of question has come up many, many, many times. Yep. Yeah. 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 And you'll get lots of information. Yes. Yep. Some of it drunker than others. Uh, most, of it, <laughs> most of it very similar to what you just heard. Though. Yes. Giving GM feedback from Jonas Larson. I will do this one. <gasps> Dear Stu and the Douche Chocolate. Douche oh, a lot. You know, I'm douche, really a... Douche Chocolate? Douche Chocolates? Douche Chocolates. Douche Douche Chocolates? That's what I sort of went douche. first. Like, chocolate? Because it is chocolates at the end, so it's like douche chocolates. chocolates. Douche Chocolates. That's... I, I gotta say, these guys are getting really creative. Yeah, they're getting super creative. <laughs> Every, it's never, each greeting has been different from everybody else's. Yes. Uh, as I told you several times before, I am uh, I'm a GM currently on shore leave on Player Island with one of my closest friends as GM. Being a GM myself, I have a lot of opinions on how best to run a game. And uh, last game, my friend made a GM call I didn't agree with at all. I didn't say anything during the session, but instead wrote a letter some days later detailing... Hold on. Why problem make when you no problem have, you don't want to make? Go ahead, I'm sorry. <laughs> Detailing why I think he had taken the wrong decision during gameplay. The problem was, I felt like a total dick. Really? My friend bends uh, back over back uh, back over backwards to let me pretend that I'm a murder hobo once a month, and I dare to complain? Isn't the right thing to do to close your eyes, open your mouth, and think about Steve Jackson? <laughs> guy hates me he hates us so much <laughs> all right uh, yeah uh you have talked several times on how to ask for uh feedback as a gm but what are your opinions on giving feedback as a player jonas Lars or uh jonas number one kadev fanboy nice. well first of all i think you may have gone about it Never put anything in writing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ever. Verbally. Always do it verbally. Exactly. See, if you put something in writing, he can read it over and over again and, and, and sit and let fester. And, right. And, and your tone doesn't come through either. Right. right. Unless you, you right. fill it with emojis. He's not going to know how <laughs> exactly. you mean that. So I know that we have in the past recommended maybe shooting an email. We have given that advice when people were like had concerns with their GM in the past. Um but I think I think we've matured, and we all realize that we get feedback, and we read it over and over again, and we get really upset about it. <laughs> well, <laughs> well t- not always, but some no. people do. Yeah. Well, and I think it depends on the feedback. If you're having um, conflict with another player, which is a lot of times when we say, hey, write an email, yeah. that's different than, hey, you fucked up. I didn't like what you did in the game last night, Mr. Yeah. GM. So I think there are two, there's like nuance there, depending on what your problem is with the game. I would have I said in-game, very briefly, like, oh, uh... Remind me after the game. I want to. I want to go over something with you. It's, it's not a big deal, but it's, I'll talk about it later. And then so it's, now I know. Now I know that that's going to be. Uh, <laughs> and all of us at the table are going to know we're all going to be like, oh. Okay, it, you can rephrase that, but that way it's still fresh in your head, and he knows that you're not mad at him. You just you just had a comment. That you comes to me after the game, and I want you to pull my finger. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> um, but, see, it kind of. I, I wish we had a little bit more information for me. Well. Give the if you're going to give unsolicited feedback, give it to GM in private. Yes, yes, because mm-hmm. um, it th- th- then there's going to be less of a tendency for him to try to defend himself, right, on whatever the decision was mm-hmm. or herself, and people chiming in because that just makes things worse. Yeah, the, the piling on. Yeah, right. Although I think you, I, I, I would, I would imagine most GMs are going to realize if they have an entire table of dissatisfied players. Maybe. I yeah, think, I, I think, think so. Not always. Well, and not always. Not always. You've had the experience of you know, people not liking other players and things going wrong and you had no idea. That's different, though. If you do something as a GM and you know it, like, immediately. Like, you've had those moments and everyone kind of, like, 
looks at you and if you have good players, like great players, they'll kind of just roll with it and you're just like, oh, and you know you fucked up and they know you fucked up and everyone's just like moving on and not mentioning it and you're just thankful for that. Um, not that I've been through that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know. I feel like there's also that it, it, it can be very clear and sometimes as a GM, you it's hard to take back things that have already ha- that are happening on the table. So you might know you fucked up, but things have already happened, dice has already been rolled, you can't go, you can't retcon it now. Like, it seems like a bigger douche thing to do, to be like, okay, stop, stop, let's go back to the beginning of this fight, and we'll redo this, because I feel, I mean, maybe not, I mean, it sort of depends on what it is. It really does, I wish I had a bit more information. Yeah. This last con, I played a Shadowrun game, and the GM was very egotistical, he came in from Texas, and I knew I was in trouble immediately when we sat down, he goes, all right, does everybody have their characters? And I'm like... No. Oh, was it an organized play thing? No. Didn't say that on the on the thing. Mm. Really? So he went, he had to stop, he had to go out and print up the, the pre-gen characters from the book, and then we all picked characters and stuff. And then this guy was one of these people that, you know, everybody else played Shadowrun before, and he had his buddy there, he's like, you know, but... But a lot of other newbies and things, and he was kind of a vindictive, punishing GM. Mm. And... At the end, he never even asked for solicited advice. He basically wiped us out and said, no, next time you guys shouldn't split the party because uh, time and all that. It's like, well, that would have been helpful to know since you know I've never played this before. And that it went over. And uh, anyway, there were a lot of missteps, but he didn't even know he did anything wrong and didn't probably want any feedback. See, right. yeah, and that's the thing about running a game is there is no wrong choice by the players. Like, they do what their characters would do. People and elves and dwarves if they existed would make maybe they do i don't know um make bad choices they may do the less something less than perfectly tact you know uh, perfect tactics in a in a battle like their decisions aren't wrong like they may not be optimized but that doesn't make them wrong so you shouldn't ever as a GM be like, this is what you should have done. Yeah, like well, you can say I expected right. you guys to do this and mm-hmm. you did something completely different, but that's not yeah, sorry. That's a whole other topic. We shouldn't like talk. Well, sort of. It, it kind of it kind of is about what it, what it is he did wrong, and also uh, what his attitude is towards criticism. Yeah. You know, if this person absolutely had no idea he did anything wrong, and he, you know, and it's the type of personality that uh, doesn't matter. I'm always right. Well, then, yeah, it's tricky to try to address these things. Yeah. If, however, it was just a mistake or he misread a rule or whatever, it's the kind of thing you can bring up after the game. Like, dude, uh, you know, next time we got to carrying capacity needs to be factored in when we're jumping. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. And and I actually don't have a big problem with that being said at the table. Like depending on how it's presented. If it's a quick rules thing. Yeah, be like, you oh, know, what? I, I think know. I yeah. feel like I remember it being like this and look yeah. it up and it's not a big deal cuz everyone fucks up on rules cuz there's like 100 billion pages of them and for I, every system. I barely bothered to learn them. Anymore. Yeah, it's I mean, you better you correct me. Or Tim or Bruce there. Wrong. Like why would you learn them? <laughs> they will just <laughs> They'll know it for you. It'll be the, uh, actually. Yeah. Um, actually. Well, it turns out not, because when you read the that's book, like, that's not how that works. That's not how that works. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we learn together. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if it's a big problem, if it's something that, um, I mean, there are, we have had horror stories where there's, like, big problems at a table, where someone's horribly sexist, or, you know, they take the game in a direction that people just totally aren't comfortable with, or... Things like that, I would maybe bring it up again. Don't necessarily put it in writing. Make sure it's in private. If it's just like a single call in a game that you are overall very happy with, I would say let it slide unless it starts becoming something that is a habitual thing. Um, Or if you notice it's a rules thing, just be like, hey, I noticed this. This is what I read it as. Yeah, know. there's ways to give advice and not be a dick. No. I guess yeah, that's don't be kind an of the, right. it's all yeah. about your but approach. I, yeah, yeah, and he he doesn't strike me as a as a particularly uh, rough person. No, so I would imagine he feels bad about it just because he gave him unsolicited advice. Call no, this no. do chocolates. Right, great. I don't not, think that's not violent necessarily a bad thing. I mean, if it's a constructive thing, yeah. If it's and it should it, it, and it should always be phrased in. Here's what I didn't like about the session, and here's what I think would have made it better. Mm-hmm. If you phrase it in that way, then you, you're giving them an alternative to, to look at and say, okay, I, I see what you're saying. I'm or, not mad. I'm not frustrated. I'm not going to quit the game. I don't hate you, but yeah. I noticed this happened, and it, it's been sort of Yeah, know, and something. maybe next time we can do this, because you're not asking for history to be changed in your game. You're not asking right. to go back and do a redo. Just like, hey, maybe next time we get in a situation similar to this, we can do this instead. 
So it's more a suggestion rather than, I want to go back and I want to fix the thing that I did not like. Because that's never cool. Yeah. And you probably don't sound like that. I'm not meaning to <laughs> imply that you sound that it's way. It's very much the comic book character. Yeah, totally. It did th- 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 fix the thing that I didn't like. It's a total real part of miniature. You shouldn't even See, be looking at it. It's so much better than I do. <laughs> This is a unmarked Ral Partha. Please don't touch. You're going to be looking at it. <laughs> it's the one. Spot on. It's very yeah. meta. Oh. All right. Shit. I'll play that one too. Come on. You dress in the manner of a male prostitute. No. No. Remember that, Mystery Man. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. But it's also the, it's just a big rumble in the back. It's like I, well, that's next to a yeah. That's because they're standing. They are. They're outside. They're in like a forest or something. There's a bunch of noise. There's a bunch of wind. Okay, I got a lunch. I got to go meet my dad for lunch. So. Okay, oh. do we got to wrap up? It's uh, wrap GMs up. who lunch. Uh, Dot com. <laughs> Jackercon, Jackercon next Friday, June twenty fourth to July first. Oh god, I gotta make my game. Oh god. Go to Happy Jacks and click on the Jackercon thing, and you can. Oh, the links are there. Um, need players, so if you want to play, and there's like I said, at least seventeen different systems. So. Yep. Tell your friends. I'm sure there's a game there being run that you would like to try out, and now is your chance. Spread the word. From the comfort of your own home, too. Yeah. You probably don't have to wear pants. We wouldn't know. Please make sure I we don't I would encourage know. everyone to wear pants. Oh, God, pants. not that horror story. <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. That's, I'm having pants. flashbacks on that. It's like the worst email we ever got. You don't have to wear pants, but wear bottoms. Something. Something there. Something. Just or in just case don't the stand camera up. slips. Yeah. I don't, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't be Donald Duck. No, don't. Yeah, don't don't Donald Duck it. Definitely not. <laughs> but but even like if you have a webcam and it falls and all of a sudden there's your junk. Oopsie! No. Oh my webcam fell. Oh, where don't be a shirt cocker. Yeah, that's <laughs> shirt cocker. Is that like a Donald Ducker? It is. <laughs> I Duck. never knew all these terms. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We are educational. I never thought. Oh. I'd hear two poxy boggarts advocating the use of pants. I know, right? <laughs> Shame Terrible, on both of you. Don't you guys have a show coming up? Yeah, we do. Uh, February 20... Oh, no. Jan- July 22nd. <laughs> February. February. Where am I? What day is this? Uh, <laughs> I'm not wearing pants! Uh, July 22nd, 8 p.m. at the Coffee Gallery backstage in Altadena, California. 50-seat venue. Uh, get a call for reservations. Um, it is kind of a weird place. Page. I've driven by it long before I even knew that they have things there. It's like right there on the corner. It's this tiny little place. You walk in, you're like, uh, is there a stage? And like, yeah, it's you back. Go all the way through the kitchen, and then there's right. a door to the No, left. it is. Oh, Seriously, yeah. yeah. And it's you're really like, cool, oh, my though. God, there's a stage it's a here. Great wow. little, it's a great little venue. We love it. a whole little theater back there yeah. with, with a cool. stage. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's a very small place. It only... I don't know how he fits. It used to be a 44-seat venue, but now it's 50. I don't even know if we can all get on stage, but we'll see. We can. The stage is pretty large. Unless <laughs> So they, are we. Unless they, at, by adding those seats, he got a smaller stage. That would be unfortunate. <laughs> we'll find out. Yes, we will. And we'll, it'll be all acoustic. Cause right, because it's... It's tiny. We don't, we don't need the amplification. It's like the size of this garage. Right. Bill will have his bass amp, but that's it. Yeah. Everything else will just be us. What a ridiculous thing. His U bass. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Isn't that the awesome, little, awesome tiny ukulele bass? And it speaks really well. That sounds great. You're like, that's coming out of that little ridiculous with the rubber band strings? Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> rubber band, rubber band strings. All right. All right. Uh, and uh, Gateway, is it Gateway? 2016? Is it Gateway? Yes. Yeah. September con. Under the strategic con envelope. I think it's, it's one of those. Uh, September 2nd, 3rd, 4th, and 5th at the Hilton Hotel. We'll be there. Join us. Yep. <sighs> Sober. No. Hmm? No. Just no. Not. Well, oh no! I don't know what con you're going. To. <laughs> yeah. No, you're allowed to drink. You just aren't allowed to drink anything that you didn't buy at the hotel unless you're in somebody's room. Right. Right. I'm never leaving my room. It'll be like the the stories about people who who uh, come to Farrah's patrons, and they realize, oh shoot, they're checking people's bags on the way in for yeah. alcohol. Shit. Well, we better all drink it now in the parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that story always ends well. I, yeah. So, what could so, possibly go wrong? Someone I know who came in as a patron yes. drank a day's worth of alcohol in the parking lot at 1030 in the morning. <laughs> and by the time he made it through the gate, he was walking sideways. Oh, uh, I believe it. <laughs> you know who that was. No. Who drinks at 1030 in the morning? Are you going to give me advice yeah. on the show? 1030, no, 1030 in the morning. No. Used to work there. 
All right. No, it's a fine. You can do this off. All right. <laughs> All right. Thank you for joining us for season 17, episode 4 of Happy Chicken RPG Podcast. My name is Stork. I'm still Eric. I'm Sam. This is Stork. And I'm Kimmy. Thank you for joining us. I think next week we're back on Friday night yep. at 8 p.m. Pacific, I believe. Are we at 8 now? Okay. Yeah, I'd like to try to do Time change. 8. Uh, uh, Everyone Jacks, remind me. Yes. Happyjacks.org slash live if you want to wa- listen and watch live. And that's it. We'll leave you the song. Yep. Media Empire.